This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Voice of Change time with myself, Lauren Jacobs. Welcome to Cape Pulpit. I hope that you're having a fantastic day. Today, we're going to be getting into a topic that everybody is talking about. And when I say everybody is talking about it, I mean literally that everyone is talking about it. Seismic surveys. Now, if that's getting you a little bit hot underneath the collar, well, then this is where you need to be. If you are the kind of person who's been hearing about seismic surveys and what's happening, and you're kind of hearing this a lot, but don't really know much about it, well, then this is also the place to be because I have some great guests on the show today coming up with me who's going to be sharing both of them in different perspectives about the seismic surveys and that what's happening along our west coast and what we should be thinking the environmental impacts the science behind it how we can get involved what is happening what we really need to be thinking about and you know what it's so important that we as people I know there are many concerned citizens who are wanting to know more about how can we impact change, but also, you know, how should we be feeling about seismic surveys that have been happening in our country for some time. Now we are kind of paying attention. And why is this happening and how should we be feeling? First up on the show, I have Professor Jerome Singh with me, and he's a phenomenal human being. He serves as the principal investigator of SAGE, which is the Scientific Advisory Group on emergencies and you know what he also serves in many different capacities for the world health organization as an ad hoc consultant to several united nation entities he works on different advisory and oversight bodies and he really really is an incredible human being who has a lot to share with us from the science perspective which is also very very important that we consider what is the science behind this how much do we know about you know seismic surveys what is the impact on our marine life our wildlife you know what is the impact on the environment on nature how do we see this and then i'm also joined by gilbert martin who is the founder of we are south africans now we are south africans is a movement an organization a group of people you know again like i keep saying concerned citizens who have joined the group who are members of this organization who are saying you know we are concerned about south africa we want to see it healed and we want to also be part of something that is taking our concerns seriously and we are South Africans as part of a team that is legally working towards stopping seismic surveys and Gilbert is with me later on on the show to talk about what is happening what we need to understand about the legal system and how this is happening what should we be considering how we can get involved you know what there is so much that's going to be happening on the show today I'm super excited so don't go anywhere because Professor Jerome is with me up after this. Jerome, it's so good to have you with me here today. I'm really, really looking forward to hearing your expertise as well as your perspective on something that has got a lot of South Africans quite upset and quite interested in and, you know, just a lot of talk that's happening. And that's really about the seismic surveys that are happening right now 
out here in Cape Town as well on our West Coast, which has got a lot of Cape Tonians pretty upset. Now, really to begin the conversation, and it's probably a very basic question that I'm going to really want to get into at the beginning is what exactly are seismic surveys and how does it threaten the marine life? Now, again, we have a lot of people that say, oh, these seismic surveys are happening. But to really unpack it and say, what actually is it and how does it affect this marine life and the environment that we care so much about? Yeah, so, you know, there's different techniques that are used for surveying the landscape underwater. And, of course, because we don't have clear line of sight, Mm -hmm. generally, you know, the only way we can map what is underwater is, and the technique that has been used for several decades now is something called seismic surveys. And essentially what this means is, you know, it's it's a sound-related way where, you know, you find a ship that actually drags something across the ocean floor. And what it does is it releases, I'm putting this in a very simple way, Mm -hmm. it releases sound waves, which then hit the surface of the seabed. And that then, of course, then comes back. You then get a rough idea in terms of what is, you know, what exactly is the the surface of, of uh, of the ocean floor. And more importantly, in for the purposes of hydrocarbon exploration, you can also get an idea of what's below the surface as well. And to do that, it means that you've got to use a specialized air gun or a seismic vibrator. And mm-hmm. so you know, it's, it's similar to how sonar works, so echolocation. Mm-hmm. And essentially, that's more or less, you know, in a very simple way, how this, you know, what exactly a seismic survey is. Hmm. How, does, how does this really threaten, you know, people are very concerned about these realities. How does this threaten our marine life? You know, are there real, real realities that we should be concerned about? Well, you know, I think it's a good question. And I think to understand how a technology like, you know, seismic surveys, which are releasing sound, uh, you know, at, at certain frequencies and at certain intervals, to determine that you need to know what is going to be affected. And I think the challenge here is that for you to put in place an environmental impact assessment report and also an environmental impact management plan, you need to know what is being affected. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the challenges that we have in terms of South Africa's oceans and the areas that we actually have jurisdiction over is that we don't really have a very good idea of what is actually in our waters and what's underneath our waters. So, you know, we've got, for example, a lot of different species in South African waters. In fact, the at least 13,000 different species have been documented in South Africa's marine realms. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, this is quite important to note because it seems like quite a lot, but in fact, this is quite poorly documented, even relative to what we have. And a lot of the samples that we have are of certain species of marine life. And there's a huge portion of our marine life that still remains uncharacterized. So, you know, when you're looking at, for example, what we call the the uh, the zones beyond a depth of 2,000 meters, mm-hmm. we have very little understanding of what life is at the bottom of the sea there and also how they will be affected by something like the seismic survey. So I think, you know, these are the issues that we don't know about. We know what we know, but we also don't know a lot of things. And um, I think the challenge is that sometimes when a report is done, we're looking at the impact, for example, on commercially valuable fishing. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, other words, when there's a report done, it's like, well, so how will this affect fish that are commercially valuable to the fishing industry? But as, of course, we know, there is a, there are a lot of species that are not necessarily commercially valuable. Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily mean that harm to them should not be taken into account. So I think, you know, when we're looking at what will be the areas where this, you know, the proposed seismic surveys are taking place, they'll be below 2,000 meters of depth and probably extending, you know, South Africa's waters go down to a depth of 5,700 meters. Mm. And when you're doing this type of seismic survey, you're looking for hydrocarbon, gas and oil deposits below the seabed. So yeah. you, you know, yeah. you're sending out this burst of sound, you're trying to figure out are there, you know, are there any deposits of oil down there? Are there pockets that you can detect? And when those pulses go out, there's not really clarity at this point in time. How will this affect fish that we all typically know of, but also, mm-hmm. you know, all mm-hmm. these other types of of, uh, of groups of, of invertebrates? So we've got, of course, you know, cephalopods, which are octopus, squid, and cuttlefish. Mm-hmm. And South Africa yeah. has almost a quarter of the world's uh, cephalopods. And so, you know, these are examples of where if you're collecting data on what is the impact on the fishing industry, it's only capturing a very small amount of data in terms of the potential harmful effect. Yeah. I think it's important yeah. to note that, you know, seismic surveys have been taking place in South Africa. This is not something new. And I think this mm. is why there has been some pushback by the industry, by the oil industry saying, this is not new technology. This has been done for a very long time. Why is everybody saying, you know, why are people getting upset now? Because it's been done before. And that is correct. You know, surveys have been done for a long time. But I think there are a few differences now. Number one is that we do have new environmental laws that have been put in place that actually now require, you know, an environmental license to do a seismic survey. And some of the surveys that are taking place off South Africa's coast in the Eastern Cape recently, and of course the proposed ones in the Western Cape, some of these permits were given before the new laws were, you know, had were, were uh, wow. came into effect. So you find that it wasn't a requirement for them to get an environmental license. It was, you know, it was sufficient for them to get an exploration license, for example. So there are some reasons why. And so, you know, we have a different legal framework now. And I think also, you know, for public perception purposes, there's greater awareness now. Hmm. So whereas people just thought the ocean was one big ocean and, you know, there was sufficient space for everything, there is now definitely more of an awareness that, you know, we've got, we're polluting our marine environments mm. through oil pollution, plastic pollution, through noise pollution, through ships, through oil rigs, through seismic surveys. This wasn't something that was in the public domain before. You know, it was something that I think people were not totally aware of. And I think, you know, the rise of social media, the rise of people becoming more interested in science and scientists engaging with the communities has actually made people much more aware. Mm. And I think that there's sentiment now that we need to move away from fossil fuels. There's mm. And I think in the 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s, there was not really a real big push to really move away from fossil fuels. And so when these seismic surveys were being done in furtherance of the fossil fuel industry, you know, people kind of like never pushed back as much. There wasn't as much of a pushback. But there has definitely been much more sensitivity and awareness now on the part of the average person who's sitting on their couch and listening to this, that, you know, we've got potential renewable energy and we've got to move away from fossil fuels hmm. because if we want to actually have a healthier planet for our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren 
and future generations, we can't contribute to greenhouse gases. Hmm. And that is hydrocarbon industry. So I think, you know, all these different factors are the reason why people are pushing back now on seismic surveys in furtherance of expanding our world, petrochemical industry in the country. And hmm. I think, you know, this is when people ask, but why didn't people say anything before? Well, it's a combination of all these factors. There's definitely more sensitivity and there's more of an awareness that we should be moving to green sources of energy. We should not be contributing to planetary warming. Hmm. This is so true. I love that you brought this up as well. You know, the fact that the public are very, very interested and very, very involved. And we've seen even with, you know, when Shell, the Shell ship arrived, we saw, you know, students, we saw kids from schools, we saw parents, we saw, you know, ordinary citizens protesting and saying we don't want this you know we don't want what is happening to happen and i think that this is a very good thing because like you mentioned and alluded to people are getting involved and people are also you know having a greater understanding and science is becoming accessible it's not something that we can't understand it's something that we are understanding and something that we are taking ownership for and you know we saw even people are very interested in in you know, the climate change conference that happens, COP26 happened, and we see all these uh, completely accessible realities to us. We can understand climate change. We can understand what's happening, and we are interested. And this is a good thing. And I think that, that part of this is that it kind of does, though, unsettle, you know, sort of governmental frame structures that have been in place for a very long time and have allowed these licenses just to go through and whatever the purpose for that is or whatever the case is. But now the public are saying, well, actually, maybe the government shouldn't be the one in just in charge of saying who can do what, where with our environment. It belongs to all of us as the citizens of a country. And from like a scientific perspective and from your own perspective, you know, when we look at it and we go, okay, you know, us as citizens, we are concerned. We, we are aware of what's going on, but we are very concerned of what's going on. Do we say, okay, we allow the government to make decisions on who gets permits, who gets licenses, you know, what we do with our country, what we do with our environment, what we do with our, you know, marine life? Or do we say there needs to be, a, you know, maybe a separate body that has to oversee all of this and, and look after this? And that we need, you know, people that know what they're doing. It shouldn't just be in the hands of just the government or one structure or one system. Where do we go to from here? What, what kind of is the answer? Because we are fighting back and saying, okay, we don't want these things happening, even though, you know, seismic surveys, like you said, have been happening for a long time. We're now aware of the potential harm that can happen. What do we say? Where where do we begin to start? Yes, we're looking at protests. We're looking at, you know, legal things. But is there something that can be done in the long term? Are we looking at there needs to be a separate body that controls all these things? Is it is it possible to do that? I think that that's a very important question, and I think we need to rethink how we are issuing these licenses. So, for example, for the seismic surveys that have caused the recent controversy, the exploration permits were given by the Ministry of Mining. And I think, you know, when you look at what the mandate of the Mining Ministry is and the mandate of the Mining Minister, amongst their many different, you know, uh, roles would be to, of course, facilitate investment in the mining sector. And many years ago, I think it was around about 2014, the government decided to remove a lot of what they thought or characterized as red tape and to make the red tape disappear and to make investment much easier. Hmm. So essentially, you know, what the government decided to do was to move to a one-stop 
one-stop-shop approach. Mm. And mm. essentially, the one-stop approach means that when you trying to get engaged in the ocean economy, for example, you know, trying to do hydrocarbon exploration through a seismic survey, you shouldn't have to go through all these different approval processes. Mm -hmm. We need a one-stop shop. And essentially what this means is that when you're looking at getting a permit, you don't need to go through the mining ministry and then the environmental ministry and then other bodies. You just need to go through one. And so that would be investor-friendly and would be it would facilitate investment in the hydrocarbon industry, for example. Hmm. And this is more or less what the government moved to. It built a one-stop shop within the Department of Mineral then Mineral Resources to streamline and regulate the licensing processes for offshore gas and oil exploration and also production, which will come across later downstream. So this is basically the reason why, as a result of that streamlining process, the permits was only considered in a sense by the mining ministry hmm. and the environmental ministry and other departments were not necessarily given uh, any sort of input in this. This has changed to a slight extent now and of course you know if you have to do this now you will have to get definitely an environmental impact assessment report done and assessed hmm. by the environmental ministry. But the historic ones as a transitional arrangement this was actually seen as a way to kind of like preserve those people those applications that were put in and that were obtained before the new process came into effect. And so I think, you know, what a lot of people are angry about is that these permits were obtained, for example, many years ago, sometimes before, you know, 2014. And hmm. essentially those old permits are now being used when, in fact, you're not having the same level of scrutiny anymore. And, of course, you know, even seven years ago, if you think about it, we were giving these issues a lot less thought, which is why seismic yeah. surveys were yeah. done seven years ago and nobody was batting their eyelashes about this. But mm. I think, you know, there's a combination of much more public awareness and there's also been an awareness now that big industry can't come in and do what they want to do, even with the approval of government. Mm. People are much more aware of what their rights are. Uh, local communities are much more aware that they've got a right to be consulted. And so this is part of the reason why the Eastern Cape court case, the second interdict, actually worked. Because, you know, in that case, the courts, they basically said that and agreed with that the, ap the applicant communities there, that they had a right to be meaningfully consulted about the seismic survey. And in that case, they, you know, the court considered who shall consult it with, how did they consult, and where did they consult. And in all of those three aspects, the court found that the you know, that Shell and their partners who were conducting the survey were actually deficit in the way that they were dealing with. In terms of who they consulted, they consulted with only certain people, even if they were consulting, for example, with traditional leaders or kings. These traditional leaders and kings didn't necessarily represent the views of the people in those areas. Mm. And mm. in terms of how did they consult? Well, they put big adverts or sometimes small adverts in certain newspapers but these were not newspapers that some of the affected communities read. They basically mm. were in English and Afrikaans. They weren't in Osa. And, you know, some of these issues then were regarded as being flawed in, in the sense of not having a good consultation processes. And in terms of where they consulted, the consultation took place in, relatively speaking, larger towns and cities mm. and not in mm. the rural areas where fishing communities who felt that they had a cultural link and they actually were not engaging in, you know, in those papers. So there was 
no publications in Isizulu or Isiposa mm. to the languages spoken in the communities in question. So, you know, you'll find that there were not there were no radio or community newspapers which could have facilitated communication with the affected communities. And if people couldn't read English Afrikaans, they were effectively excluded from the consultation process. Yeah. And even in terms of where the meetings were held, the communities, of course, were affected because those surveys of the Eastern Cape Coast were virtually the entire length of the Eastern Cape Coast. So there were many communities that were going to be affected, but the consultation processes or the meetings were held in Port Elizabeth, East London, and Port St. John's on very specific days. Mm. And those mm. Places and those meeting venues excluded the meaning, you know, the communities who were going to be affected, and they were effectively excluded from from attending. So, you know, these are the examples of where, when you're looking at, you know, more awareness now as a mm. result of that case, you know, the new communities that believe they will be affected, they would have to take pointers and now see were they consulted. Yeah. This is an example of the Western Cape Coast. Well, other communities off those Western Cape Coast. Were they consulted or, for example, were the meetings only held in Cape Town? Mm. Were they held in the mm. winelands where nobody would go? You know, those are the types of things I think a court would have to now consider. Where did the consultation take place? And if there were communities that lived in those areas that could have been affected, were they consulted? And were, were they consulted in a way that, you know, made sense for how they actually communicated with the world? So, for example, if they engaged with the world and found out about the world through newspapers or mm. through radio stations, were those mediums used to communicate mm. to the seismic survey was being used? So if you, for example, listen to this radio station, and this is a community radio station, you know, was this radio station, for example, used as a medium to communicate mm. with potentially communities? Those are the types of issues that the court in Makanda, the second court, actually considered. And that's the reason why Shell and its partners who were conducting the survey in its behalf failed. It was because there was no meaningful consultation. So you can't just have, for example, saying, you know, the uh, the applicants of the survey saying, well, I consulted with local leaders there. Mm-hmm. Well, who are the local mm-hmm. leaders that you consulted with? Just because you consulted with a king, you know, you can't assume that the king spoke for all communities. So, for example, yeah. in the Eastern, yeah. there are two kingdoms. If you consulted one king, that king doesn't necessarily represent the other kingdom. Mm-hmm. All the people who don't fall under any or either of those kingdoms. So, you know, these are some of the issues that I think, you know, when you're looking at whether there was a meaningful consultation process in the Western Cape, what yeah. exactly was what the fishing industry taken into account? Who And were you taking into account only the major fishing industry players or some of the communities that are doing in a small-scale fishing. Mm. And this, this is actually very important, what you're mentioning to us today. This is, this is vitally important because I, I don't think people really realize that, you know, we have a voice and we need to be able to use that voice and there needs to be consultation as well. There's so many communities that live on our West Coast here and they need to be included in what is happening. And I think that this is a powerful tool actually that you've actually given us today as well through this conversation that we're having. And we want to be able to also hear your perspective as the listener. We have a poll running on our Instagram. It's at 729k pulpit and we have a poll running saying you know how do you feel about seismic surveys you know what is your perspective what is your feeling go on over and you know tell us exactly how you feel about this because again it's part of us wanting to know how are you feeling about what is happening in your 
community, you know, right here in our city where we live. Maybe you live out on the West Coast. Let us know on social media how you're feeling and what is actually going through your own mind. And Jerome, I want to say thank you. I can't believe our time went really quickly as, you know, there was just so much that you shared with us. And I feel like we can take away so much of this conversation. Thank you for the incredible work that you're doing, as well as your expertise in this field. And thank you so much for spending this time with me today. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Gilbert, it's so nice to have you with me today. I know that we're going to have such an informative conversation, but one that's very, very important, one that is completely relevant, one that a lot of people want to know about. So firstly, we're talking seismic surveys. Earlier on on the show, I had Professor Singh with me speaking about the science, you know, someone that you know as well, know that you know him, speaking about the science and the science behind what is happening, him just explaining to us what seismic surveys are, you know, the science behind it, how it is impacting, you know, our earth, our environment, our marine life. And that is super, super important to consider. Now, from your perspective, the founder of We Are South Africans, tell us how you are, how your organization, how you yourself how you are involved with what is happening right now with these seismic surveys. We know that the public is very, very invested in this and is saying, what is happening? Are there people speaking up? Are there movements taking place? So tell us a bit about what you are doing. Hi, Lauren. Thanks for having me on. Um, basically, we are South Africans decided in um, December when we, we were the ones that got first notice of the next um, survey happening. Um, and we immediately got onto it to trying to get hold of um, attorneys on the holiday um, to try and immediately um, put a stop to it, um, knowing that people would be on holiday. So we've taken straight to the legal route. Um, we then immediately launched a petition. We got all the Greenpeace also on holiday, and all of these people magically worked together to help us get the petition up, get the, some things out to the media as much as we could, and you know, to our members. We obviously started literally screaming from our page at the top of the mountain to for lack of a better explanation, to try and get um, alertness towards what was happening to the Western Cape, completely unaware of what was coming to them. It apparently has been happening there um, before as well. So, you know, the ultimate um, solution to us was we're not going to petition, we're not going to protest, we didn't want to put anybody's lives in danger with COVID-19, so we just said let's go to the legal route and do our best to to bring a halt to this um, problem that we saw coming from a mile away Hmm. well this is this is quite interesting now you spoke about the legal route as well we know we saw a lot of protests happen against you know what was happening with shell and that that was quite fruitful and successful as well but again it was the legal side of it that was successful so right now legally is there things that are happening because i know and i've been speaking to a lot of people people are upset you know, we do not want this down on the West Coast. We do not want this out in Cape Town. A lot of people being very upset about this. Legally, you know, is there action? Is there something happening that might be able to stop what we are seeing right here in our own waters? Yes. Um, Richard Spur, the same uh, attorneys, um, Richard Spur Incorporated, the same attorneys that are representing the Wild Coast, also represent We Are South Africans, our mm-hmm. organization. And then the Legal Resources Council, representing a whole range of Western uh, Western Cape Coast fishing um, associations and communities, um, we, we we sort of banded together, um, you know, to, to to alleviate the burden of cost to try and deal with um, an urgent interdict matter. Um, so this will be lodged this week. 
um, in courts. Luckily, BGP Pioneer has not started with the survey yet. They, okay. they, um, they, as far as we understand, and I hope they haven't, um, because in greater damage will be sought from mm. every single individual involved um, for this, because we have told them not to proceed until we can slash out these issues we've experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, so between the two um, legal firms, you know, the interdict will be launched and the, the problem should be stopped. Um, oh. Temporarily, it's the same with the wild coast, and it's very important that you remember this. It's just an interim interdict. It's not a permanent mm. interdict. So the interim interdict says that we first need to discuss this in an open court, um, find the solutions to the problems, and uh, you know, if there were irregularities, then everything needs to be set aside. Um, now, when you go towards the the wild coast side um, of the matter, the main the reason why Justice Bloom took the matter to heart was because of what you call the public participation process. Mm-hmm. So in order for any of these um, surveys to go ahead, they have to do an environmental impact assessment. Um, uh, older terminology was called environmental management plan. Um, in the new law, you have to do what they call the EIA. And then you have a process called public participation process. Now, what these guys then generally do is they stick an ad in the newspaper mm-hmm. um, and they send because of COVID, they send up a bunch of emails to people um, that are relevant, interested in affected parties on their databases. This did not happen. You oh. know, they, did, they did email everybody, but nobody sort of consulted. So this was our biggest concern as a national organization was to look at this and say, but this is the problem in all of the government departments is there is no public participation process. It's a unilateral, unilateral decision. Yeah. Um, by the government to 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 just push everything forward and what we all say and is true that the politically connected friends and um, tenderpreneurs and those people are getting all the value because nobody in the public is really actually participating in any of these um, tenders applications hmm. permits yeah. the whole range from the top to the bottom of government and somewhere it needed to stop. So yeah. our intention with the legal process here is to say, okay, we're just going to stop the ship now. We need to go into court with their lawyers, with them in present in court and say, this is what our communities say. This mm. is what the people are that are environmental scientists that are South African. And then let the court decide on whether or not the, the processes were flawed and the environmental research that was used to give it a thumbs up also was outdated and incorrect. Yeah. The courts will obviously decide that with their own judgment and base effects presented before them from both sides of, yeah. of the argument. Mm. That is that is good news, though, because, again, it is just so important that our communities are involved as well. I mean, here, if we look at the West Coast and what's going to be happening up here, there are a lot of communities living there. Uh, small fishing communities as well. Everybody needs to be included. And I think it's so important that that is going to, you know, it needs to be considered, needs to be taken into account. One of the things that I want to ask you about is, you know, we, like you said, going to hear both sides, we have seen, uh, you know, quite a bit of pushback from the government. We have heard, you know, ministers using words like apartheid or colonialism. And we, we hear these kind of, you know, conversations and rhetoric as so to say, we see this pushback from the government. So is, you know, how should we be feeling about that? Is that something, 
you know, that we need to be concerned about. We are citizens. We are concerned citizens. All of us, we want to care for our earth. We want to care for our marine life, animal welfare, the environment, the, the communities that will be impacted. But when we have this pushback from the government, how do we feel? You know, what is this telling us? I need to say this quite clearly. It doesn't matter what religious belief you are. We're taught to respect our nature and our environment, um, to use things in a balanced way. We are as stewards on this earth. Our leaders are supposed to be our stewards, okay? And they're supposed to look after people and do what's best for them, not what's best for connected companies, um, and this is very important that those ministers that are the ministers and um, officials that are so quick to to use race cards to use apartheid and further divide our communities need to hear this from me and I hope they hear it directly. Mm-hmm. If you're incompetent and you don't have the ability to understand something, it's okay to ask people around you for that information, like every human being does, from the employee down to all the way up to the CEO of a company. If you don't have the ability to understand something, there's nothing wrong with asking and learning. Mm-hmm. And they have gotten themselves into the position where they believe they don't need to learn. And that is incompetence on a grand scale. And when you're doing that, you are harming not only the environment, you're not only harming the businesses, you're not only harming the tourism, you're not only harming people's livelihoods, you're actually hurting the people of South Africa. And that needs to stop from all of the governments and all of the politicians of all of the political parties. You need to bring the people together rather than divide them. Mm. We need to be discussing, we need to be discussing, discussing differences, not ideological issues that are no longer relevant. Mm. You know, I, I was thinking as well, you know, when we're talking about government, sometimes people can feel very, you know, far away from that, can feel almost helpless or powerless. You know, individuals often feel, well, I'm not in government or I'm not doing something legally or I'm, I'm not involved so directly. But actually, as individuals, we have such power. So I wanted to ask you, what can individuals that are listening to us today that maybe have this concern? We don't want seismic surveys happening. We are concerned about our communities. We are concerned about what is happening. How can individuals get involved? Are there things that they can do? Is it about, you know, raising our voices? What what can individuals do? If listeners are listening right now, they're saying, Gilbert, I am concerned. I'm leaning into the radio right now. I'm saying, what can I do? How can I help? Is there a way to get involved? Do I, what, what is it that I have to do? What's the power that I have in my hands? Well, you've got a lot of power in your hands. Remember, I'm also just an individual. I'm just the head of an organization. And mm. my organization doesn't exist without the 15 million people we reach um, mm. and, and them interacting with, with, with us. And mm. as your listeners are very well aware, some of them are our members probably too. Um, all we need is your support. When we, when, mm. we, when we raise these issues, your voice, we, we started these petitions, and it's very important why we started these petitions, and we'll, we'll reveal that at a later date. Yeah. Um, but get involved. Go and sign that petition. Go and sign the petition to remove Barbara Creasy and Gwede Mantasha. Go and sign the petition to stop the West Coast Survey. Go and, sign this, go and sign the petition to stop the World Coast Survey. It's still active. That court case isn't completed. 
So when you when you raise your voice, you give people like us that stick our necks out there on the street and say we we we're representing you, the ability to do things. When we when we do say we need this help or that help or we need this information or we need this organization to respond to us, come to the front. Stop sitting in the shadows and come out of the shadows. We all together equally have responsibility for where this country is at the moment. If you are silent, you are responsible for the rot. If you have raised your voice, you are responsible for trying to do the best. But if all of us as a collective can unite, we can change things. We don't have to be aggressive. We don't have to take this to protest. We don't have to go all over the place with this stuff. We could if we have to. But the idea is when we do these things together, we can achieve so much more as a nation. And it's time that you stop believing that you can do nothing because your voice is very important in every little matter that is decided mm. in this mm. country. Mm. I love that. Gilbert Martin, founder of We Are South Africans, with me today talking about the seismic surveys, what we can actually do, what is actually happening, you know, this reality that we are facing today, and also just this encouragement to say we have power in our hands, we can do it. I'm going to give you the information on where to sign that petition at the end of the show, but Gilbert, I want to say thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you so much for sharing, you know, this important information, but also for the incredible work that you and your organization are doing, and yes, I cannot wait to see what the outcomes are of all the amazing work that is happening. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much, Lauren. And uh, just a side note, you know, if anybody wants to get directly involved with our organization, they just have to go to wearesouthafricans.com. It's very easy to reach reach us and it'll direct them to wherever they need to go. And we will be providing a lot of more information because this year we've drawn the line in the sand. We want our country to be healed. Hmm. Amen. We are Africans.com. Go on over, check out the website. And I am so inspired to hear it is about healing and one our land, our country, our people, our nation to be healed. That is so important. Gilbert, again, thank you so much. And may God bless you. The same to you guys. I hope that you are feeling as though you are a lot more in the know now, in the know about what we can consider. You know, when realities like this happen, when we hear about, you know, things that's kind of upsetting to us and our emotions get involved and a lot of our thoughts get involved and people are talking one to another, there can be false information that is spread. And so today on Voice of Change, I really wanted you to be in the know, to know exactly what is happening. And even for me myself today, you know, speaking to Jerome and to Gilbert, I realize that there's wonderful things that I've learned today that I can understand. Now now I can share it with other people when we talk about seismic surveys. Wherever our heart is, you know, wherever we are standing saying it's wrong or I don't see a problem with it, wherever we are standing, we need to know why we believe certain things and why we feel the way that we feel. Not just, you know, based on opinion, but based on fact and based on knowledge. I really, really applaud the work of Professor Jerome and of Gilbert for what they are both doing and the kind of changes that they are impacting and I'm really grateful for their voices on the show today and so do not forget we still have a poll running on Instagram and we want to know from our listeners we are concerned about the concerns of our listeners we want to know what do you feel about the seismic surveys now that you have some information head on over to 729k pulpit on Instagram and join our poll say yes or no yes I am 
concerned or no, I'm okay about it. You know, whatever your feeling is, we just want to hear your voice. And so, you know what? It has been so great to be with you today. It has been such a blessing on this show. And I really, really encourage you, you know, when we talk about these realities, when we talk about things we see happening in our nation, even in our cities, our communities, our societies, even in our neighborhood, you know, among our families, we need to be praying. We need to be people of prayer. We can pray that our Father's will be done for this. We can pray that His righteousness will stand up in this situation. We can pray for our marine life. We should be. We should be praying for the animals. We have to be good stewards of this beautiful earth that we have been entrusted. And as citizens of this nation, we have spiritual responsibility to this nation. So let us pray. You know what? Let us continue to pray. Let us push through in prayer. And let us say, Abba Father, we want you to move in our nation. We want you to stop what is not of you. We want your hand to move. And we know that you are mighty. We know that you can do it. Father, we are concerned about our marine life. We are concerned about the environment. We are concerned about our neighborhoods and our our communities that will be affected by seismic surveys, by blastings, by all sorts of things. And Father, we are asking that your right hand of power will move into this situation. And we pray that you will help our hearts also be peaceful in this. And that even that the courts and that the legal system will see, Father, the damage that will be done if these things go ahead. And we thank you that you're powerful, you're mighty, you're on the throne. We trust you today in the mighty name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It's been so good to be with you. I keep saying that I've loved the show today. This is what we need to be talking about. You know what? We need to be talking about what is happening in our communities because we care about our nation. We care about our city. We care about Cape Town. We care about people whose lives will be affected. We care about the lives of the animals as well. So until next week, take care. See you then. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.